Welcome to the In God She Trust podcast, or welcome back, whichever one, whichever one suits you. If you're a first-time listener or a regular listener, hello and welcome. Um, I am finally back. I took a week off, not because I wanted to, but because things just kind of got crazy and life happens and, you know, it. It is what it is at this point, people. I can't control things. <laughs> um, do you get so? I don't know if y'all have seen um, that '70s show, but I just like it came to my head. A little dang, Jackie, I can't control the weather. It's kind of like that. Like, dang, I can't control life. Things happen, and I missed a week. So you know, hey, it's fine. Um, but anyways, hello and welcome. I'm super excited to be back with y'all and to talk to y'all, even though I'm talking technically to myself. But, you know, I like to think that there's always people that I'm talking to and, you know, conversing with and everything is great and fine. <laughs> um, but I hope y'all have been, you know, staying safe and it is finally warming up. Once again, I live in Wyoming and, um, In the town that I live in, we had the third coldest winter since I think it said 1881 or something stupid crazy like that. And we had like the third, you know, like we had like the coldest March um, in like a century. And it's been real cold, y'all. And it's been 60 degrees these last few, few days and like in the 50s. And it has been a blessing. I kind of feel like my soul warming up, you know, kind of like that. (laughs) I was just all frozen and now I'm just slowly thawing and coming back to life. Spring is here. (sighs) Spring is here and it's beautiful. Last week was Easter and I hope you guys had a beautiful Easter. Um, Went to church and just felt the love of God and we just celebrated the fact that our Savior saved us And that Jesus came and died and was risen again. And it's not that he died, but he rose again. Because every single human that has ever walked the earth either has died or will die. But the thing that distinguishes us from Christ is, number one, he is perfect and we are not. And number two, that he is raised from the dead. And that same authority that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. And hallelujah, that is something to praise Jesus about and um, I just want to thank, uh, thank you guys first and foremost. There have been some people who have um, been like donating money and and um, blessing me, and that is just something that's crazy to me that that y'all are um, you know giving into this ministry and um, you know you know donating money or gifting money. Um, to, to the ministry and to what God has called me to do and to the podcast. And if that's you, you know who you are. And I so am so grateful for it. And, uh, God has just continuously shown up for me and he just, he likes to show up and show out. And through your obedience to God, I just wanted to say a huge thank you. So, um, if you want to continue, um, feeling like God is calling you to give, um, the, the, in God, she trusts has a ministry 
cash app. And that is in God, she trusts ministries on the cash app app, the cash app app. Yeah. But, um, you're, you know, it's not required. This is free content. I do this because God called me to. And so regardless if I have one person listening or 1 million people listening, I'm still going to do this because it's what God told me to do and I'm obedient to it. And I also love it. And, um, I I think of y'all as my friends and I just, I, I appreciate the, the support and the love. So you can find me on Facebook. Um, it's the in God, she trusts page. You can also find in God, she trusts on Instagram. It's the handle is in dot God dot she dot trusts, you know, there's a period in between. Um, but you can find us there. Um, and I'm trying to be more active, but I, you know, with two other jobs and the podcast, it's kind of a lot and traveling and all this stuff. I'm a dance teacher and we're getting closer to, um, you know, dance competitions and my recital. And so, I'm going to be just trying to survive (laughs) at this point, at least through like, at least through May. I've got a lot of changes happening in my life. I'm, you know, I'm moving out of my apartment. I'm moving to a new place to live. I'm like, there's just, there's so much going on right now, y'all. And so, um, I'm just doing my best out here. <laughs> That's as best as I could say. So without further ado, you're like, you're like I don't want to hear your ramblings. Can we just get back into it? So we are getting back into it. We've taken a couple weeks hiatus from Romans, and now we're getting back into Romans. And so today we are doing, doing Romans 4. <laughs> Excuse me. So yeah, we are doing Romans 4. And as always, I started doing the Roman series in the NLT version, the New Living Translation. And um, I just, I chose it because number one, it's easy to understand. And I really like how certain things are translated better. But you are free to grab your Bible in whatever version you have. Grab your Bible, grab some coffee, you know, or water. I mean, coffee always tastes better in my opinion, but you know, we got to stay hydrated. I had a dance student give me a sticker that says hydrate or dihydrate, and it's on my Stanley at all times. And so grab coffee, grab water, grab a blanket, grab your Bible, and let's just get into fellowship with the word. Today we're in Romans 4. I'm going to read the entire chapter, and then we're going to break it down, and we're going to have some, some discussions on it. So here we go. Romans 4, verse 1. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and counted God him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what a joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who, whose record the Lord has declared of sin. Excuse me, the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, Is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? 
Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised or was it clearly before he was circumcised? Why am I adding words? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Ooh, hallelujah. I love that. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead. He has handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Whoo! Whoo! Hallelujah! I got, like, into that. The more I started reading, the more the Holy Spirit just started stirring up, stirring up my spirit, and hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Okay. Oh, my Pentecostal's coming out a little bit. I'm technically not Pentecostal. I keep telling people, I'm like, I'm not exactly Pentecostal, but I'm not like, I'm just kind of like a weird thing, but oh, I will, I will raise a hallelujah. Amen. Um, when it, when it is needed and that definitely needed it. So, okay. Romans four is a conclusion to chapter to chapter three. And we know this because, um, in some translations, the word therefore is at the very beginning. And, but because of certain translations, that word might, um, get cut out, but like in the Christian standard version or, you know, the new King James version or the King James version or the ESV version, I'm pretty sure the word therefore is there. Um, and we, you know, I always had a pastor that said, when you see the word therefore, you have to know what it's there for. And it's in conclusion of chapter three, which pretty much means because of all these things I said, and then Paul brings in a new character into chapter four, Abraham. 
And Abraham is known as the father of our faith. Abraham pops into the scene in Genesis 12. And Abraham is a huge character in our faith, um, also because he is known as the father of our faith. And so he's kind of the starter of it. Um, But he was a huge, huge character in Jewish culture and Jewish religion. God called Abraham to to do, to, you know, God, God chose Abraham and his descendants that Christ would come through Abraham. And I think I mentioned this in a pod, um, a couple of weeks ago, but, um, scholars believe it was pretty much like eeny, meeny, miny, mo that there was really no rhyme or reason as to why God chose Abraham. And sometimes we don't get to know why God chooses the people that he chooses. All we know is that he chooses them and it is their, their, their option to either obey or to not. And Abraham chose to obey. So God called Abraham and through Abraham, God promises all nations. And this was a really big promise because Abraham and his wife, Sarah, were never able to have children at this time that, you know, God made this promise. I believe he's like 85, 86, somewhere around there. And so his wife is also that same age. And so she had I'm just assuming gone through menopause. I'm pretty sure that's still, that was a thing back then as it is now. I'm just assuming. Um, But, you know, she was never able to have children. She was barren. And that was a really big promise. So God's like, hey, I'm going to give you um, as many descendants as the stars in the sky. And Abraham's like, bro, I don't have a kid. So I don't know how you're going to do that. Um, but that was a, a huge promise. And so everything in Jewish culture centers around Abraham and what he did and the faith that he had and the walk that he took and the obedience that he exercised with God. And so Abraham did a lot of good things. However, without God, nothing would have happened and nothing would, it, would be as it is today. If Abraham did anything without God, he'd be able to brag and boast about it. But nothing he did on his own was going to be grand enough or big enough. And so without God, Abraham would have gotten all of the glory and not God. And only Abraham's belief and faith in God counted to him as righteousness. So once again, what does righteousness mean? It means to be in right standing before God or to be justified before God. And so it was Abraham's faith that made him in, to be in right standing with God and not his works, not his deeds, nothing he did. And the thing that kind of blows my mind is that God didn't owe Abraham anything. And God doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't owe me anything. He owes nobody anything. But God in turn, gives us everything. Jewish people would have thought that um, Abraham would have earned his righteousness by obeying God and being circumcised. But Paul is, you know, clearly saying in the in the first part of this uh, passage here that um, that's not the case. He's saying that it was his faith, and obedience comes after faith. The blessing and the promise, excuse me, the blessing comes after the obedience. The promise is made 
beforehand to Abraham, but the blessing and the promise comes to fulfillment after the obedience. But many times we want to see the blessing first, then believe, and then obey. But it isn't faith when we have to see the outcome first. That's manipulation. And we can't manipulate God. Um, there was one time in my life I was praying to God and I've struggled with my faith. Um, I've struggled in trusting God and I'm just going to be very open and very vulnerable about that is I struggle sometimes in trusting God. Um, and so I can't remember what the situation was, but I was, I was praying to God and I was saying, Lord, I need you to show me what to do. I need you to tell me what to do. I need you, you know, tell me step by step. I need you to show me the end goal. I need you to show me what's going to happen. I need you to show, like I I wanted, I was asking him pretty much for a play by play about everything that was going to go down and everything he wanted me to do and what was going to happen in the end. And I was praying. And in that moment, I very clearly heard God say, no, in that exact voice. I'm not kidding. Um, because God speaks to us how we need to be spoken to. And your girl sassy. Okay. Your girl has attitude. I'm kind of stubborn. I'm a little thick headed sometimes. And so sometimes I need sass in order to hear things. And so he literally went, no, if you need to give you a play-by-play before you even take a step, you're trying to manipulate me. And that is not faith. And that y'all, when I tell you that humbled your girl real quick, it humbled your girl real quick. Yeah. Cause he's like, no, that is not faith. If you need a play-by-play and you need to see the outcome, that's not faith. That's manipulation. And so that put me in my place. But see, Abraham stepped out in faith and, obe- and obeyed God before any of the blessing actually came to pass. It actually took years. It took over a decade. God promised Abraham this huge promise, but his promise was not given based on a requirement that the law was kept. Because if that was the case, Abraham would have failed, and then the promise would have been taken back. But even more so, there was no law at that point for Abraham to break. But I'm I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but God still fulfilled his promise to Abraham even when he messed up. But God is is the faithful one. Abraham's faith in one promise can be a great example of how we are supposed to act and behave and believe. He is a great example of God gave me this promise. I need to have faith that he is a God who says who he who who is who he says he is and does what he says he's going to do. And so we have to stand firm on that. Paul is is saying to his audience here that if we want to call ourselves Abraham's descendants or a son of Abraham, then we need to model the faith that Abraham had. And that can be very difficult to do. Depending on the situation, depending on the circumstance, sometimes it seems overwhelming or impossible 
But what, when we only see maybe what's right in front of us, we might only see one or two things. God sees millions of other things happening simultaneously to work for our good. But if God could make us righteous through our works, God would then owe us something. And like I said earlier, he doesn't owe us anything. I don't know why this is like the Holy Spirit is just making me sit here. He owes you nothing. He owes you nothing. I don't, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say? I have to listen. A lot of times when people go through bad things in their life, they blame God. Or they think, oh, well, because I did this for you, you owe me this. Because I gave this up for you, you now owe me this. Because I went through this hard situation, I at least deserve some sort of payment I'm listening, hold on. There's somebody out there that's been going through something very difficult. A believer in Christ Jesus. You've been obedient. Or you think you've been obedient. But there's a heart posture of, I'm owed this. But he doesn't owe you anything. We owe him everything. He's not letting me move on. Okay. He's calling me to do this, so I have to be obedient. I have what's called, um, I have a gift of the Spirit called speaking in tongues. And it is a prayer language, and sometimes um, he, I, I pray in it to, to hear his voice more clearly. So I'm just going to do that now. We're, we're going on an adventure together, but there's something. He's not letting me move on from this. So I need to, I need to pray, and I need to listen. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, repent of the heart posture that he owes you something. <clears throat> you either left something or you gave up something in order to follow God and you've been expecting, um, something in return. And here's the thing is like he he he's going to bless your faithfulness, but he won't bless it if it's out of a posture of I'm only doing this so I can get more. It needs to be from a posture of I'm doing this because I love him so much because of what he's already done for me. There's a heart posture that needs to that needs to change. Okay, I'm released. I get to go. I get to go on now. Okay, there we go. We're done. Um, so <laughs> Sorry. So once again, he doesn't owe us anything. 
Um, it would be like God giving us a paycheck to do our jobs. But as Paul stated in chapter three, no one can accomplish that. Our works in God does not equal a paycheck that he hands us. And he even says here that it's like, you know, earning a wage. But earning a wage is not a gift. We don't earn a gift, but we're given it freely. And sometimes we're even given stuff freely without even asking. Some, some of the best gifts I've ever been given is when I have not asked for them and they weren't given to me like during Christmas. They were given to me like outside my birthday or outside Christmas, but somebody was like, hey, I thought of you and I saw this and I wanted to get it for you. And they like give me this gift. You know, those some of those are like the best gifts ever because it's like out of a wanting to instead of like an obligation. You know, like for, for somebody's birthday, you feel like you're kind of obligated to get them something for their birthday or Christmas. You're obligated to get somebody something for Christmas but when it's like outside those kind of like celebrations and somebody gets you a gift it almost like means a little bit more you know what I'm saying I have a like Jesslina um she was on our last episode she is like one of the best gift givers ever and she's like she'll just be like hey I saw this and I thought it was cute and I thought you would like it and she'll just like buy me something and it just shocks me I'm like oh my gosh this and it means so much it could be you know she she bought me a beautiful bookmark a gorgeous bookmark and I'm just like oh my gosh and that that means so much to me you know so sometimes the, the best gifts we've ever been given are gifts that we did not ask for and so <clears throat> um that is what that is the grace that we get is it, it is a free a free gift given to us and is one of the best gifts that we could have been given. So then in verses, you know, five through nine, um, we're moving on into like the next little bit and it's saying that God justifies the ungodly and that's all of us. And this is the entire message of Jesus. This is the entire gospel is that he came knowing we couldn't justify ourselves, so he gave himself freely as a gift, being the only perfect one. So when we come back to the Father in fellowship and relationship with him, he gave himself freely, and he justified all of the wickedness, all of the sin, all of the unrighteousness, the ungodly, the perverse, the disgusting, the evil, the way, everything, he justified it so that we could come back to the Father in fellowship and relationship with him. Today, my pastor was talking on this, um, this exact thing, and he, you know, went up to a couple in church and used them as an example, and he said, okay, when your son comes and does something, let's say it's something really, really bad, He's like, you discipline him, and then your son is mad at you, and he goes his way, and he doesn't want to talk to you, and you kind of don't want to talk to him anyways because of the bad thing that he did. He's like, but is that child still your son? And they're like, yes. And they're like, so the relationship didn't change. That is still your child, but the fellowship changed. But then when that child comes back and he goes, you know what, Dad, I'm really, really sorry. It makes it right. That fellowship gets to be reconnected. It doesn't mean that when you're, you know, when we did something wrong that he is no longer a father, but that fellowship was broken and was then given back to us freely through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to talk about what David wrote in Psalm 32, 1 through 2. And 
we are considered blessed because God has covered us with his mercy. That's what he's talking about in that Psalm area where it says, Oh, what a joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record in the Lord has cleared of sin. And so God has covered us with his mercy and grace and all of our lawless acts are forgiven. But what's even better is that God in his grace has chosen not to count our sins against us and hold them against us, but he has cleared our record of sin. So the account that like we have, you know, like a charge account at a store, we, you know, charge after charge after charge after charge. And then all of a sudden we've racked up all of this debt. It's like, you know, the, the owner of that store going, you know what, you don't owe me anything. Your, your, your record is clear, but that's even not even like a, a, a deep enough example. That's the only thing I can think of, but he doesn't even count our sins against us because of Christ Jesus and those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We don't have to fear God's wrath and judgment because if you choose to have faith in Jesus Christ and follow Jesus Christ and love Jesus Christ and give your life fully to Jesus Christ, you do not have to fear condemnation and judgment and wrath from God. God will look at you and say, I don't see any sin on your record. Now we're going to kind of go on into verses, you know, 10 through uh, like 14 and 15. And then Paul brings it back to the circumcision thing, because why not just keep bringing up circumcision and just making it weird? I'm just kidding. Um, But you know, we, we just, we, we really know that circumcision was a big thing to the Jews back then. Um, it's a little painful, but you know, it's still a big thing. But once again, Paul knew they were going to try to bring up the circumcision argument yet again. And he's like, oh, well, Abraham was circumcised. But Paul was like, actually, he was counted righteous and given promises before he was circumcised. So he was kind of like, gotcha, <laughs> you know, because um, like in Genesis 15, God promises Abraham a son. Then later his son Ishmael was born. And then Abraham was like, or not Ishmael, Isaac, excuse me. Um, No, Ishmael. No. Okay. Wow. Hold on. Give me a second. Give me a second. I have to double check my work here. (laughs) I'm looking. Yeah, no, it was Ishmael. It was Ishmael, but um, it wasn't through Sarah necessarily. But Ishmael was still born to Abraham when he was like 86 in Genesis 16. But then on down the road in Genesis 17, um, when he was like 99 or 100 or so. So it was like 13 or 14 years later, later when, um, when he was circumcised. So he was literally given a son, like given a promise. And he was like, um, yeah, he's still not circumcised, broski. That happens a lot later. Um, and so it like, I mean, Abraham and Sarah were old, y'all. They were old. And 
you know, God gave Abraham the promise that he'd have a son through Sarah. But Sarah, you know, a, a lot of time had passed before, since that, that promise was given. So Sarah, you know, gave Abraham her slave Hagar in order to have a son. And then Ishmael was born. And then God was like, no, fam. Like I was meaning from Sarah's womb and Abraham's seed was going to come a son. And so sometimes we rush the process because it's taking too long or it doesn't look like how we want it to look. That was for me. I know you, Holy Spirit. You're you're talking to me when I just said that. So y'all, whenever I'm telling you stuff, I'm totally telling me stuff too. But you know, Sarah was like, "Oh well, it must. You know, I it might not come through me. It's taking forever. This isn't looking how it's supposed to. I'm gonna give my slave Hagar to Abraham to have a son, and that's where you know that's that's got to be what God God was meaning. And God was like, "No, I was meaning from you." And then later on down. Down the road, we do see that um, Abraham and Sarah were given their son. Their son. But the circumcision came after the promise is, is ultimately what Paul is getting at and ultimately what I'm getting at, but just in a less eloquent way. And so he's like, y'all can't use the circumcision argument anymore. He's saying once again that both Jews and Gentiles can be saved. Both the circumcised Jews, if they have the same faith as Abraham, and the uncircumcised Gentiles, if they also have the same faith. Yes, Abraham is the father of the circumcised, but he is also the father of the uncircumcised who put their faith in God. And in verse 14, he's talking about righteousness did not come through the law, but through faith, the promises of God given to Abraham and his descendants were given hundreds of years later. The law was given hundreds, not, sorry, not the promises. The law was given hundreds of years later after the promises were given to Abraham. The law was not even given to Abraham himself. It was given to Moses. And that's hundreds of years down the line. Abraham's descendants had no law at the time God had given um, these promises. So if promises came through the law, then these promises would be null and void because there is no law. And then in verse 15, Paul is saying that the law, once again, points out our flaws and our sin and brings on the wrath of God. Without the law, there is no transgression so you can't break the law if there is no law, which there wasn't when Abraham was given these promises. I hope I made that point slightly semi-clear because there was a lot, a lot of the word law in there. Um, and then Paul goes on in verse 16 to say, that is why it depends on our faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. The promise rests on God's grace, not our works, not our deeds, but on God's grace and his grace alone. I mean, yeah, not like we should try to adhere to the law, but we have to do so in faith, not just out of habit or like checking a tick, tick or tick, ticking a box or checking a box. Our promises of from God rest solely on his grace. No human effort can secure the promises of God. Salvation is a gift and is guaranteed to all Abraham's heirs, descendants, sons, daughters. His, and his offspring came through his faith, not through the law. God calls things into existence when it shouldn't happen. And that's literally written 
in Romans. We're going to go back and we're going to read that because it just really sticks out to me. So in verse 18, it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept on hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. And it says just earlier in verse 17, this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. If we just look at creation alone, the difference between something being created and something being made is that in order to make something, you have to have something already there. But out of nothing can you create. God created everything out of nothing. And he brings the dead back to life. He brings the spiritually dead back to life. He does the things that should not be done. God gave Abraham and Sarah a son when their bodies had been shut down, closed, I mean, their bodies literally flipped over that, that closed sign. But God opened up their bodies to give life, and he gave a miracle. God gave them a son when they were their 90s or 100s, like something crazy. And God did that to show that only he can do it and not them. If they would have had a, a child, maybe after a couple years of infertility, they would have been like, oh, yeah, this is our son. Yeah, you know, like we, we did this. But God's like, but God chose them and their bodies because there should have been no way. No way they would have had a son. And so it was a miracle. So all the glory could be given to God. And also it was a way to strengthen Abraham's trust and faith in God. He already had amazing faith, but when it finally came, could you imagine the joy that Abraham said, like, thank you, Jesus, praise you, Father, for only you could have done this. Only you could have orchestrated this. He brings the dead to life spiritually. When we are in sin, we are spiritually dead, but we are, when we are in Christ, we are spiritually alive. And not only are we spiritually alive, we will never die. So if you are a believer in Christ Jesus right now, eternity has already started for you. You're just on this earth, and when you pass from this earth, you're still going to go on. Eternity has already started for you if you are in Christ Jesus. But if you're not in Christ Jesus, I, I, I ask that you, you start eternity today. Abraham believed God when it should have seemed impossible. And it's not impossible for God to bring you back to life if he gave Abraham and Sarah a son when they were in their hundreds. And that's why there's so much righteousness accredited to Abraham because he believed and he trusted. And the same can happen to us. It says in verse 24 that it wasn't just for Abraham 
but also for us who believe in God and in the God who raised Jesus from the dead. That was yet another miracle that in the natural world would never have happened, but God in his sovereignty and in his power and in his might, he made it possible. And through Jesus's resurrection, we are made justified and we are cleared of all of our sinful debts. He counts no sin against us. And Paul keeps driving this home time after time after time. And so when Paul wants to teach you something, he's going to drive that point home over and over and over. And he's going to drive it through hard because he's trying to get it through his audience's thick skulls that they can't earn it, that it is given a free gift by God's grace alone. And if he was trying to get that point across to them, then he is trying to get that point across to us as well. Christ was handed over to die because of our sins, but he was raised to life to make us right with God again. And if you haven't ever made that decision, all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And it doesn't even have to be like a sinner's prayer. You want to know a secret? The sinner's prayer isn't in the Bible. You just have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And there was one gal um, that my pastor knew that she, what she said was, Jesus, take this hot mess and do something with it. And that was her declaration. That was her giving her life over to Christ. And if you haven't done that, I, I, I firmly, firmly suggest that you do so because it's going to be the best decision you will ever make in your life. It's going to be better than any career choice you've ever made, any marriage choice you've ever made, ever, you know, better than ever getting married or choosing to have children. And anything. It is the best thing you will ever do in your life is to give your life over to Christ because in Christ there is no condemnation, there is no debt, there is no chain. You are the freest that you could ever be in Christ Jesus. And I pray that you make that decision. And if you have made that decision and maybe that you've kind of faltered and you've kind of slid backwards and you've kind of fallen away and you've fallen out of God's righteousness, all you have to do is just repent. And all repentance means is to turn 180 degrees away and follow Christ. Don't just give him part of your life. Give him all of your life. Don't just give him the parts that you want to give him, but continue to hold on to the parts that you're not ready to give up. Because the, the parts that you're not ready to give up, those are the parts in your life that are holding you back. When there is something in your life that you're not willing to let go of, that is the snare and the stumbling block for your life that is going to trip you up and make you fall. You can run the race that God has set before you by taking off all of the sin and all of the weight that have been put on your shoulders. All you have to do is just take Christ's hand and give him your entire life. Even when you're confused, even when you're doubting, even when you don't see a way out, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems like you are too far gone, you're not. The Lord is showing me something 
He's showing me a homosexual, a man that loves the Lord or loved the Lord. But because of the homosexual identity and because in this person's community, you can't be gay and be a Christian, which you're correct. However, you want to come back to God. God has been calling you back to him but you're afraid to hand over your sexual identity. Because you're afraid that you're going to lose everything that you know in your life, every person that you've known, all of your relationships. You're afraid that if you turn back to God and you actually give him your whole life, you will lose everything. But my brother in Christ, you will gain everything. You will gain more than you will lose. And if if you're a listener and you know this person, send them this. Because I'm really feeling it heavy on my spirit right now. Oh, what is that verse? Matthew 16, 26 says, it is worth nothing for a man to have the whole world if he loses his soul. He could never pay enough to buy back his soul. So you might think that you will lose everything, but if you gain the world, you lose everything. But if you lose the world, you gain everything. Nothing is worth your soul. Nothing is worth it. Have faith in Jesus. Grab his hand and don't look back. Because he's been calling you. You felt it in your spirit. You felt it. He's been trying to get a hold of you. He says, you've been asking for a sign. Well, here it is. Give me your identity and you will find your true self in Christ. I don't know who that's for. But if that's for you, he's speaking to you. And if that's for somebody you love, send them this podcast. Send them send them this. You don't even have to tell them to listen to the whole thing. Just tell them, hey, start listening from like verse, or not verse, minute 40 something on. But if something in this in this podcast resonated with you, um, you know, like, s- subscribe, and share. Um, we're I'm just trying to be obedient, and I'm just trying to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. So, um, with that, I'm gonna leave y'all, and I will uh, talk to y'all next week when we're going to be popping into chapter five in Romans. I'm praying for y'all. See you later. Mm-hmm.